are continuing our series, Blessed, and the title of my message for you is Walk This Way. And we're going to kick it off in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Everybody wants to know how to be blessed, whether you're in church, whether you're out of church. Everybody wants to know how to live a life that is blessed. And here's what the Bible says in Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man, or blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Those who walk not in wicked counsel, but in God's counsel. The Bible says they are blessed. They, are, they prosper in everything they do. So the question for me is that what does it mean to walk in the counsel of someone? What does that mean? Walking in the counsel of the wicked. Basically what that means is if someone has counsel in your life or you're walking in their counsel, it means they have influence in your life. It means that the motivations you have for why you do what you do, the decisions you're making, uh, the things that you desire, if, if you are influenced by someone or something, then you are walking in the counsel of that person. It, it's, you don't have to sit down and ask somebody their advice for something that you're going through or a decision to make in order to walk in their counsel if you're just influenced by them. It, so you, you can be influenced by more than just somebody, someone, you can be influenced by something. You can be influenced by things you watch on TV, the music that you listen to, the movies that you watch, all of those kinds of things. There's people getting their relationship advice from the Kardashians. Then they can't figure out what's wrong with their relationships. But you know what I'm saying? Like you can, if you are influenced, if you're taking in what other people are doing, you can be influenced by somebody's example. And so the question for us becomes, if we want to be blessed, we can't walk in the counsel of the wicked. We have to walk in the counsel of God. So in other words, how do we get more of God's influence into our lives? How do we make that happen? And what I want to do today is give you two ways to get more of God's influence, more of God's counsel in your life. And number one is this, number one, if you want to be blessed, if you want to walk in God's counsel and his influence, you have to connect with the word of God. Number one, connect with the word of God. Psalm 1 and verse 2 says, the person who is blessed, they delight in the law of the Lord. And on his law, God's law, he meditates day and night. I want to give you a story, uh, an illustration of someone who delighted Psalm 1-2 in the law of God and the commandments of God. It's a man named Joseph. It's an old story from way back in the Old Testament, Genesis 39. And he delighted in the law of God. Joseph was a slave in the house of an Egyptian man named Potiphar. And so here's what the Bible says about Joseph, this man who's a slave in Potiphar's house. Genesis 39 verse 6. It says, Joseph was very handsome and well-built young man. Very handsome and well-built. I like how politely the Bible says that, right? Modern day translation, he was hot. Verse 7. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Three words, verse number 8, really important. But he refused but he refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. 
No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. It would be a great sin against God. How, how did Joseph in the face of temptation like that refuse her request? But he refused, the Bible said. And you know, she was trying to seduce him. She was trying to tempt him. Potiphar's wife didn't roll out of bed, bathrobe and bunny slippers, hair all messed up, breath smelling up the room. She didn't roll up to Joseph like that and just kind of, you know, like, come sleep with me. No, she was, try- she was trying to tempt him. She was trying to seduce him. She got up. She got ready. Got her hair all fixed, makeup on. Pulled that little prom dress out of the closet from back in the day that she barely even fits in. Squeezed into it. You guys know what I'm saying? She was trying to tempt him. She queued up the Marvin Gaye, hit the music, kicked open the door, and walked out like it was the runway at the Miss America pageant. You know, she was like, she was like, and spin, you know? And so, we were like, that spin was a little too good. He's been practicing that. But, uh. She came and she was trying to tempt him in the face of all of that. Joseph refused. Why? Because he delighted in the law of the Lord. Because he was walking in the counsel of God. Because Joseph saw sin for what it really is. Because Joseph wasn't buying into the lies that sin will tell us. Sin is full of lies. There are a lot of lies that the devil would like us to believe about sin. One of those lies that Joseph didn't buy into is that that sin is, is the real freedom. There's a lot of people living in sin. Many of us, times in our lives when we lived in sin, our attitude was, man, I'm, I'm free. I'm doing whatever I want. I'm, nobody can tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to live. I'm doing my thing. I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm, the, I'm free. I can do anything. Nobody's telling me how to do this. And there are many of us who look back on our lives and the way we used to live and we go, you know, I used to think that too. And as I look back on it now, I realize that I was buying into the lie. Because when I was living in sin, I wasn't free at all. I was a slave to lust and sex. A slave to pornography, a slave to alcohol, a slave to drugs, a slave to the love of money and the lust for material possessions and those things. We weren't free. That's a lie of sin. We weren't free. Sin would love for you to believe that, that, that that's the real freedom. Joseph wasn't buying into the lie that sin is freedom. He wasn't buying into the lie that says that sin has no cost, that sin has no price tag. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, it says, you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. He wasn't li- uh, b- believing the lies that says it's freedom. No, sin is slavery. He was really, and sin has a price tag. It is a heavy price tag. Sin leads to death. To death. Sin equals slavery, and that leads to death. And Joseph didn't believe the lie. He saw sin for what it was. He did not look at the commandments of God with disdain. He looked at the commandments of God with delight. And can I tell you something? The, the times that I've gotten myself into the most trouble, the times that I've faced the biggest challenges and carried the heaviest burdens, were the times that I treated the law of God like suggestions. It's like when you pull up to the drive-thru at McDonald's. You roll down the window, you're all ready to give your order, and the voice comes over the speaker, and they're like, welcome to McDonald's. Would you like to try two apple pies for a dollar? 
You know, and there's that awkward moment where you're like, do you tell them no, that you don't want what they just offered you, or do you just ignore them and go ahead on with your order, you know what I mean? Or is it like, you know, it's like, sometimes I'm all ready to give them my order, and they throw out a suggestion, and now I'm thinking about what they suggested I buy, and now I can't remember what I wanted, and I'm just all messed up, you know what I mean? But there's times in my life where I have treated the commandments of God like it was just somebody suggesting something off the menu at a fast food drive through so just go there with me for a second. Just go to God's drive through restaurant for life, okay? Just go there with me. You pull up in your car. You roll down the window. You're ready to make your order. God's voice comes over the speaker, and he says, Welcome to life. Would you like to try returning 10% of your income in the tithe and honoring me with your finances? And we're like, oh. No, I'm good. Give me the number eight with the big screen TV I can't afford and uh, go ahead and supersize that. Give me the recliner and the couch and uh, the entertainment center too. You know what I'm saying? We pull up and God's voice comes over the loudspeaker and he's like, welcome to life. Would you like to try being a person of, in, of integrity at the workplace? And we're like, oh, no. <laughs> go ahead and give me the number two with the 10 pack of lies to my boss about my coworkers so I can get ahead and uh, lets me cut corners and work less. We pull up. God's voice comes over to speaker, welcome to life, would you like to try honoring me with your body and waiting until marriage to have sex? And we're like, uh, uh. <laughs> and we're like, wait a minute, is this McDonald's? I'm meant to go to Wendy's, I'm at the wrong place, you know, we just, <laughs> I'm just off somewhere else, you know what I'm saying? The times, the times where I've got myself in the biggest trouble, where I've carried the heaviest burdens, where I've gone through the most difficult times in my life, were the times I treated the commandments of God as though they were suggestions at the drive through Joseph viewed sin for what it really was because he delighted in the law of the Lord. When I have walked in the counsel of the wicked, when I have kept the commandments of God off to the side, when I've done it my way rather than doing it God's way, those are the times that I've been hurt the most. Those are the times that I've carried the biggest burdens. Those are the times where I've been the most stressed had the most anxiety and carried the most difficult things because I was doing it my way rather than his. And here's the thing, there were times in my life where I felt like, you know, like God's commandments and his laws, like that was trying, God was trying to keep me from having what I wanted. God wasn't trying to keep me from having what I wanted. God was trying to help me be like Psalm 1, verse 3. He was trying to help me be like the tree planted by the waters. He was trying to plant me and prosper me. God was trying to bless me. He wasn't trying to keep me from things. He was trying to save me from my sin. He was trying to help me out, not hurt me. And I kept God off to the side, and I wouldn't. I was not living the blessed life because I was doing it my way and not his. Because I did it according to my rules and not his. And can I tell you that if you want to be blessed in life, you have to connect with the word of God. Like Joseph, you've got to begin to delight in the law of God. Walk in the counsel of the Lord. You want to be blessed. Many of us, we want to be blessed in school. We want to be blessed in our career, in our marriage, in our family finances in our future but we're not walking in the counsel of God we got to get into his word if you want to be blessed you got to get into the word of God and more than that more than that you got to get the word in you not just get in the word but get the word in you I had an incredible opportunity to work with so, some people ministering to 
a number of students who are in a Christian drug and alcohol rehab program called Teen Challenge. It was an incredible time last month, had that opportunity, and there so many students, uh, people in the program, they would get up and they would share their stories, share their testimonies of how God had delivered them, how God had changed them, how God had done miracles in their lives, all these incredible stories. And at the end of each one of their stories, they would all say, and the scripture I'm standing on is, and then they would quote a scripture from the word of God. Can I tell you something? I think everybody should have a scripture to stand on. I think everybody should memorize scripture. And I know some of us, maybe, you know, you grew up in church, you're like, man, I've memorized scripture when I was a kid. That's kid stuff. That's it. Can I tell you something? Memorizing the word of God isn't for kids. It's for Christians. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. If you're going to walk with God, if you're going to walk in his blessing, then you've got to get his word in you. And the best way to do that is memorize. Start small. Study the word of God. Read a chapter every day. But don't just read it. Think about it. Meditate on it. A process through what you're reading and begin to memorize portions of the word of God. Start small. That's all right, start small. But everybody needs to have scripture to stand on. Everybody should have scripture they can quote at any moment, at any time. It'll bring you to a place where you're walking in God's counsel because God's word is in you and it's influencing everything you do. I remember one time I was going through a particularly difficult time in my life. I lost some battles with temptation and I had to come back to the Lord and repent and confess and ask for forgiveness and it was one of those things where I knew that God had forgiven me but I was having trouble kind of forgiving myself you know kind of a thing and I got alone one day you know just shut the door in my room and just was by myself and I opened up the word of God and I started reading I started getting into God's word I read Isaiah chapter number one and the first 17 verses you know I'm reading through and they, they didn't say a whole lot to me and I'm like oh man you know come on God and then I got to verse 18 and God said in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 come now and let us reason together though your sins are like scarlet they shall be white as snow though they are red like crimson they shall become like wool God spoke to me I stood on the script I memorized the scripture and I've been standing on the scripture ever since Everybody should have a scripture to stand on If you want to be blessed, if you want to live the blessed life If you want to be the tree planted by the water that God can prosper You got to get into the word of God and get the word of God in you Everybody say in you You got to get that as your foundation Everybody should have scriptures to stand on. We want to be blessed. Everybody does. No matter what walk of life you come from, no matter what your background is, every single one of us wants to be blessed. And God's trying to help us. He wants to bless your life. Psalm 1, he's telling you, if you want to be blessed, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't let the world be the influence in your life that determines the decisions you make and the direction you're headed. Let me be the one who influences your desires and the decisions you make, and ultimately the direction of your life. If you want to be blessed, you got to get God's influence. You do that by connecting with the word of God, number one. The second thing I want to share with you today is this. The second thing is this, connect with God's people. You want to be blessed, connect with God's word, and connect with God's people. When I was at that Teen Challenge event, I pulled aside one of the directors and talked to him for a moment He's been involved in that ministry for about 25 years, lots of experience. And I just asked him, I said, listen, you know, when, when it comes to people graduating this program and going back home and getting back into their lives and going back to work and getting a job and all of those things, I said, what, you know, what, what percentage of the, 
the, the, the, the process, uh, uh, what percentage of their ability to succeed is based on who they surround themselves with. I said, when they leave the program, how much of it is it about getting the right people around you? You know, like, like, like a, is that 80% of the equation to succeeding? Is it 50% of the equation to succeeding when you graduate? What is it? And he looked at me just kind of wide-eyed and almost kind of confused, you know? And I was like, I wondered if he was understood what I was saying. And it was kind of awkward for a second, you know? And I was like, I'm like, okay. And then he just goes, he goes, Jason, it's a thousand percent. He said, it's the whole ball game. He said, that's everything. When they leave this program, if they don't get the right people around them, it is going to be an unbelievably difficult struggle, almost an impossible struggle. You've got to have the right people around you. And can I tell you that what, what's true for them is true for us. Everybody's got to have the right people around them. How much we succeed and how much we struggle is very much dependent on who we have around us in our lives. Who we have influencing us. Who has the loudest voice into your life. Who, when they speak, carries the most weight in your mind and in your heart. Who do you got around you? And I want us to succeed. I want you to be blessed. But for you to do that, you got to walk in God's influence, in His counsel. And you got to be in his word and you got to connect with his people. So what I want to do is give you four people that everyone needs to have in their life. Four people that everyone needs to surround themselves with. Four different types. And each one of these is a character from the Bible who sets an example for us. And so the first kind of person that everybody needs to have, number one, is this. Everyone needs to have a roof in their life. Someone who will stick with you. There's a story in the Old Testament from the book of Ruth. Uh, chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 and it's a conversation between Ruth and Naomi and so in verse 16 Ruth is speaking to Naomi and here's what she says the Bible says but Ruth replied don't ask me to leave you and turn back wherever you go I will go wherever you live I will live your people will be my people and your God will be my God wherever you die I will die and there I will be buried may the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Everybody needs a friend in their life who will stick with them through anything and everything. Everybody needs a Ruth, somebody who's committed to you, somebody who is there for you, somebody who will hold you up and help you carry the burdens that you have through life. The Bible, in fact, says it in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, share each other's burdens. Share each other's burdens. The Bible knows the Bible speaks to us, God knows you can't do it on your own. We weren't wired to do it on our own. We weren't created to do it on our own. We were created to go through life together. Everybody needs to have a Ruth who will stick with you through thick and thin. How many of you have been through thick and thin? I'm not really sure which parts were thick and which parts of my life were thin, but I've been through both, you know what I mean? You've got to have somebody who will be there for you. And some of you today, you desperately need a Ruth in your life. And I encourage you to begin praying and asking God to bring that person, that friend into your life. Begin praying. Just begin to claim that in prayer before the Lord. If you need somebody like that, don't be passive about it. 
Don't sit back and just wait for that person to come your way. Don't pray that way. Don't pray, God, bring somebody along. Pray, God, help me to find that person. Pray a prayer of faith. God, help me to find these kind of friends in my life because I want to be blessed, God. I want to walk in your counsel. I want the right people around me. Start claiming it in prayer. Be proactive and then take some steps to meet new people and connect with new people so that God can bring this person into your life. And can I tell you, don't be passive. Don't sit back. We've got incredible opportunities here at People's Church. Did you know that all throughout the week we have community groups, small groups of believers that meet at different places and different times all throughout the week, work with every kind of different schedule that you might have? And you got to get plugged in. If you're looking for someone like that in your life, if you need new people around you, take a step of faith and get involved in a community group. Get involved in a smaller group of believers who will help you do Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, who will help you carry your burdens through life. I love my community group. We have a blast. We have so much fun. We laugh like crazy when we're together. We share life together. We play games. We act stupid. But what's even better than all of that is we pray for each other. We have time where we share our needs. We know what's going on in each other's lives. We know what people are hoping for, what people are praying for, what people are struggling with, and we're there for each other. We get an email from our community group leader that lists the needs so we can continue to pray for each other throughout the week. Do you know how incredible of a blessing that is to know that I've got this small group of believers around me and supporting me and walking with me? And I want you to know you can have it too, but you gotta take a step of faith. You can come join us for Wednesday Night Connection, Wednesday nights. Here at People's Church, we got stuff for everybody. We got ministry for your kids, epic student ministries for teenagers. Come and meet with us. Here in the sanctuary, the adults meet. We sit at tables instead of in rows. We hear a short teaching. We discuss God's word, and then we have a powerful time of praying for one another. It is an incredible time. Come join us. Take an active step. Don't wait. Don't wait for those people to come find you. You pray and go find them. There's a Ruth waiting for you. Step out in faith. God will bring those people into your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. Everybody needs somebody to carry their burdens with them. Nobody was made to do it alone. But here at People's Church, if you walk alone, can I tell you, you're doing it by choice. Because there are people who are there for you. There are people who wait to love you, support you, carry your burdens with you. Everybody needs a roof. Start praying and take some active steps of faith to meet new people to engage in new relationships so that God can bring these people into your life. One, everybody needs a Ruth. Number two, the second kind of person everybody needs is a Barnabas. Everyone needs someone who will encourage them. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 verse 36, for instance, there was Joseph, not the Joseph from our first story, but this is a different Joseph. The Bible says the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Like how encouraging do you have to be for your nickname to become the encourager? You know what I'm saying? Like that, how crazy, like I've known some people who were like the exact opposite of that. The non-encourager, there was a skit on one of the TV shows a long time ago where there was a character, her nickname was Debbie Downer. Some of you have a Debbie Downer in your life. It's where you're hanging out and everybody's laughing and having fun and joking and having a good time and then Debbie Downer says something and just kills the mood. You know, it's just, you know, it's like, how much do you have to encourage people though to get called the encourager? Everybody knew him that way. It was his identity. And can I tell you something? Everybody needs a Barnabas in their life. Everybody needs a cheerleader in their life. Everybody needs that person who will just encourage the mess out of them. 
The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you have been doing. Proverbs 18.21 says this, the tongue can bring death or life. I love this quote from Bob Goff. He says, I used to think the words spoken about us described who we are. Now I know they shape who we are. And that's so true. Words are powerful. Words are a whole lot more effective than just describing who we are. The things that people say about us, no, it really does shape who we are. And too many of us, for far too long, have had the wrong people around us speaking death into us rather than life. And for some of us, we're struggling to not be what they said we were. But the words that they have spoken are shaping us. And can I tell you that there are some Barnabas people waiting for you. There are some people waiting to build you up, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to love on you. Those people are there. You got to begin to pray again for these kind of people in your life. Take the active steps. Get involved. There are people who will encourage you and who will strengthen you, who will speak life into you rather than death. And maybe some of you have had a lot of people who have spoken a lot of very untrue things. And today you're struggling to not believe them. Those things are weighing heavy on your heart, weighing heavy on your mind. And I'm telling you that God can bring healing into your heart and your life from the things that people have spoken about you that were death, that were lies, that were untrue. And God can bring some people into your life that will begin to help you heal, who will walk with you, who will encourage you, who will cheer you on from the sidelines as you run your race, whatever analogy you want to use, there are people waiting for you. But begin to pray. Begin to ask God for those people and step out in faith and say, God, I'm going to get involved. I'm not going to wait on the sideline and just ask you to bring everybody my way. I'm going to go out and find them. And I'm going to pray, God, direct me as I go. Direct me to the right community group. Direct me to the right table on a Wednesday night. Bring me to the right place with the right people to speak into my heart and into my life because everybody needs a Ruth. Everybody needs a Barnabas. The third kind of person that everybody needs is this. Everyone needs a Nathan. Someone who will convict you. Yeah, some of us can we go back to Barnabas for a minute? You know, I was like, can we just, let's talk about, let's talk about Barnabas. Cheerleading, yay. Um, the truth is everybody needs a Nathan. Everybody needs somebody who will tell them what they don't want to hear in love. In love. <laughs> Some of us are Nathans, but we have forgotten the in love part. Everybody needs somebody who will tell them what they don't want to hear. You can't be blessed. You can't walk in the counsel of God without a Nathan in your life. There's a great story from the Old Testament about the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel 12. And Nathan is speaking to David. David was the king of Israel. David had the whole kingdom before him. He was the ruler of all of this and... David had his own wife and all of that, and he chose to steal the wife of another man. And he had an affair with Bathsheba. And after his affair with Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet comes to him and he says this, 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 7. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. 
And one day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Verse 7, then Nathan said to David, you are that Man. Woo! If that was a tweet, it'd be like hashtag blazed, you know? He spoke to David what he needed to hear, what nobody else probably would have said to the king. And Nathan said it not because he wanted to make David feel horrible, not because he wanted to tear him down, but because he wanted to help David wake up and see what he was doing. That he had left the counsel of God and joined the counsel of the wicked. Nathan had David's best interests at heart. He knew God wanted to bless him and he was trying to bring David back around to that blessing. But here's the thing, David responded to Nathan with repentance. David recognized his wrong and he brought that sin before God and he repented. He turned from that life, he turned from those sins and he began to walk in the way of God again. But how do we handle the Nathans in our lives? There may be some of us here today who have pushed the Nathans out. People tried to help us. People tried to speak the truth. And we keep them out at arm's length. We avoid them. We don't hang out with them. We don't answer their calls. We don't return their texts. You want to be blessed? You got to connect with God's people. And one of those people you got to have is a Nathan. You've got to have somebody in your life. Some of us need to reconnect with the Nathans in our lives. You need to invite them out for coffee or for lunch or something and sit down and just tell them, you know what, you were trying to help me in the past and I pushed you away and I was wrong, but I want you in my life because I know you'll tell me what I need to hear in love because I want to be blessed. Everybody needs a Ruth, a Barnabas, everybody needs a Nathan and one last person that everybody needs is a Timothy, someone to invest into. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 2, this is the Apostle Paul And he says, I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith, my true son. Paul had basically adopted Timothy as his son. He poured into his life. He was Paul, Timothy was Paul's disciple and Paul was investing in him constantly. And and here's what the Bible says, Acts 20, 35. It says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. All of us need a Timothy. We need somebody to pour into. We need somebody to invest into. You know what's great about this relationship is this relationship is a fantastic measurement of our blessing. Because when you're truly blessed by God, you feel the freedom to give rather than receive. Because when you're blessed, you know God is taking care of you and you don't have to try to take care of yourself anymore. You've turned that over to the Lord. And now that the Lord is taking care of you and he's providing for you, you feel the freedom to just pour out of yourself into other people. Everybody needs a Ruth, a Barnabas, a Nathan. But can I tell you, some of you are the Ruth. You are the Barnabas. You are the Nathan that somebody else is looking for. Many of us need to get involved in a small group, in a community group, because we need those people in our lives. Some of us need to get in that community group, into that smaller setting to be that person in somebody else's life some of you are the blessing that somebody else in the room is praying for right now you are the answer to their prayer would you take a step of faith would you allow God to lead you and be the church family that God created us to be one that's there for one another everybody needs somebody 
We all need people to be with us, to encourage us, to convict us at times, and we all need someone to pour our lives into. We want to be blessed, but to do that, we've got to connect with God's word. We've got to get his word in us. To do that, we've got to connect with godly people, surround ourselves with the right people. Maybe there's some of us who are here today, and, and you would say, you know what, Jason, I'm, I'm hearing your message, but I've just walked in the counsel of the wicked for way too long. I've wasted so much of my life, wasted so much of what God has given me. You're here today and you're going, man, if, if, if when I started out life, God gave me a dollar, like I got about a dime left. I've wasted so much of what I had. And today, if that's you and you feel that way, I want to tell you a story about a young man who had a dime. And I want to tell you about what he did with it. There's a young man named Richard who had a dime and one day he decided to play a game that his dad had taught him called Bigger and Better. And so Richard left the house one day with just a dime. And he went to a neighbor's house and he said, hey, I'm playing a game called Bigger and Better. Do you have anything you could trade me for this dime? And he handed him that dime and the man talked with his wife and a minute later he brought back a mattress, a Serta pillow top mattress. He gave them a dime and he got back a mattress. Like how amazing is that? He took the mattress to the next house and he traded the mattress for something bigger and better. He got a ping pong table. He took the ping pong table to the next house and he traded up for this gigantic mounted elk head with these huge horns. And he just kept trading up. But can I tell you something? Richard didn't come home that day with a dime, a mattress, an elk head, or any of the other five things he traded up for. Richard didn't bring home anything that day. He drove home in a pickup truck. He left home with a dime and he came home with a Dodge. Like how incredible is that? And what I'm telling you is this. That you can bring anything you have to God. You can bring whatever life you've lived to God. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how much you feel like you've wasted. You can bring who you are and what you are to God and trade up for something bigger and better. You can bring any life to God. It doesn't matter how broken and trade up for his healing and his hope. You can bring any life to God. It doesn't matter how enslaved by sin you might be, you can trade up for his forgiveness and his freedom. Trade up today for a bigger and better and blessed life with God.